Good morning and welcome to the Dance to Learn podcast, where I help dance teachers and studio owners dance, learn, and grow right along with your students. I'm your host, Jessica Strong, and I'm the creative director and owner here at Dance to Learn. I am so excited for today's episode. Today is part one of a two-part mini-series that I'm calling, Why Are My Students Behaving This Way? And I'm so excited for this mini-series on the podcast, and I hope you are too. So let's dive in and let's get learning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday. I hope you are all having a wonderful week. And I am, as always, so excited to be back with you today for another episode of the Dance to Learn podcast. And today is a two-part, the first part of a two-part mini-series that I am calling, Why Are My Students Behaving This Way? So seriously, a question that I know I've asked a million times and you've probably asked before too. But specifically today, I will be talking about how we as dance teachers can ensure that we are creating an, an environment that is fulfilling the basic needs of our students first and foremost. Now, before I get started on today's topic, I just wanted to welcome you if this is your first time here. Hi there. And if you are have been here before, I just want to say hello again and welcome back. I want to personally invite you to take a minute to download today's episode and subscribe to the Dance to Learn podcast for future episode notifications. And as a reminder, if you're loving the podcast, please let me know by leaving a five-star review. I love, love, love reading listener reviews. And if your review is read on air, I personally send your studio an Amazon gift card. So I do this as a way to say thank you for being here and as a way to thank you for your continued support. You're wonderful and amazing. So thank you. Okay, so let's get into it. Today is part one of a two-part mini-series on the podcast. And again, the title, I personally love this title. Why are my students behaving this way? Hmm. Again, a question. I, I think I've, I literally ask myself this question every class. <laughs> and I'm sure you've asked yourself that question too. Now, I personally have come to a place in my teaching career where I love classroom management. I love it more now that I understand it better than when I first started teaching. It certainly was and has been and will continue to be the hardest parts about teaching. And hopefully, I hope what you get out of today's episode is uh, some help and that it allows you the opportunity to give you some answers about your students and why they may behave a certain way. And I know we all wish that there was a fix-it guide for student behavior. There's not a guide, but there are ways that we can come to solutions to help us resolve some of these common problems that we may witness from time to time in our dance classes. So, but let's be real. Let's, let's have a little real talk for a second. So classroom management, like I said earlier, it is the hardest part of the job. And as someone, I think I've been teaching preschool for 20 years. 
And so in my time as a dance teacher, I have met a ton of kids. I don't know how many kids I've taught, you know, hundreds, I'm sure. And I've experienced a lot of different behaviors um, in class. And when I was a younger teacher, a newer teacher, my belief back then was that some of the behaviors were happening because the kids the kids just aren't good listeners. Or maybe I thought, you know, I don't think they are really getting disciplined at home, you know. And so I was following the blame the child approach or blame the home environment for the behavior. But now that I've become more seasoned and I try to devote a lot of my time to researching children and their development and their behavioral needs. I now say, "Mm -mm, no, 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 it's not a problem with the child. It's not a problem at home. It's It's most likely a problem with the environment and how that environment may be negatively impacting the child, causing a stress based reaction. So our jobs as dance teachers is to ensure that we are fulfilling the needs of our students first and foremost because obviously if their basic needs are not being met then we won't be able to teach them how how to dance, right? So making sure their needs are met is a pretty big to do on our priority list as dance teachers. This is above the lesson plans. This is above the technique. This is like dance teacher number one. So, okay, so let's think about this for a second. I'm just going to throw a scenario out to give you to give you an example. So let's say that you have a child that's coming to dance class, but class is scheduled during nap time. Uh-oh, <laughs> that's not good. So every time this child comes to class, maybe they seem really groggy and they just don't want to participate. Maybe you notice that they're crying or they're whining a lot. So their basic need really isn't being met. And that need would be sleep, possibly, right? Because if it's scheduled during nap time, that would be what I, as that would be, okay, they probably should be using this time to nap instead of being at dance class, right? So their basic need for sleep isn't being met and therefore it's resulting in this negative behavior. Now, if this is determined to be the root of the problem, we, we as dance teachers, we can't just allow the child to come in and nap for their hour-long dance class. I mean, that's not what parents are paying for. So what do we do? So you have a couple options, right? You may have to move that child into a class that's at a different time. Maybe a morning class would work better. Or a class later in the day would work better instead of in the afternoon. So changing the class time could be a solution altogether. Or... Maybe you notice that this isn't one child. Maybe you're getting a lot of feedback from parents and parents are saying more than one are saying, gosh, you know, we're really excited to be here, but this is during nap time. We'll see how they do. Maybe you need to consider changing the time of class. So that's just kind of an example of a need not being met for that child. So now there are three basic needs that I've personally determined that we all need as humans and as children not only to dance, but to survive, right? These are really important things. So the first is water, right? We can't live without water. And dehydration can cause serious physical and behavioral problems in not only us as adults, but as in our kids as well. 
So some signs that a child could be dehydrated, you might notice that they have a really dry or sticky mouth. It might look like their mouth is chapped, you know, chapped lips. Maybe when they cry, you don't really see any tears coming out. It almost looks like they're not really crying at all. There are no tears. Um, maybe their eyes look like they, they're sort of sunken in, the, in, in their face, you know, really dark circles under their eyes. Um, you know, this might be a question that you ask your parents, but, you know, are they, do you notice that they're, you know, using the restroom less than normal? Or maybe if they're in diapers, do they have fewer wet diapers? Maybe when you touch their skin, it's really dry, or maybe when you touch their skin, it's really cold. Irritability is a sign of dehydration as well. So if you notice a kiddo is being really irritable, maybe give them a little water break. Um, drowsiness and dizziness. Yeah, if you notice a kid sort of comes stumbling into class, maybe, maybe we need to make sure that they have a water bottle. So making sure that our students aren't dehydrated is a really important basic need if they're going to be successful in dance class. Another really essential need that we all need is food, right? We need that. We need to eat. We need to we need food to survive. Now, what happens if a child that's coming to dance class is hungry? Right? And what if they're not eating? Now, what if they're eating but they're not eating healthy food, right? So this can have serious implications on a child's both physical and mental health. So some signs that a child might be hungry without them actually saying, I'm hungry, might be maybe you notice that they have chronic illnesses like asthma or anemia. Maybe they have behavioral problems like hyperactivity. They're really hyper. Maybe they have a lot of anxiety or even aggression. They might just be hungry. Uh, so it might be a good idea to tell your parents, make sure all your kiddos have a small little snack before coming to dance class. Not a meal, because we also know eating too much can have a negative effect too, because eating too much could make them sick or just feel heavy and weighed down. So it's finding that nice balance. Then the last one is sleep, right? We all need sleep. And it's recommended for kids ages 3 to 5 that they get 10 to 13 hours of sleep at night plus an additional nap during the day. Because if a child is not getting enough sleep, they could exhibit some of the following behaviors. So this first one is a question for mom or dad. Have you noticed that your child has a hard time waking up in the morning? Maybe the child is exhibiting irritable behavior. They're really grumpy and moody. Maybe they're overly emotional, crying a lot. Are they hyperactive? Doesn't that seem like that would be an opposite, right? If they're so sleepy, how can they be hyper? But hyperactivity could be a sign of a child not getting enough sleep. Do they have difficulty concentrating? And are they having trouble staying awake during the day? So three pretty important things and some signs if we might be lacking. So as a dance teacher, it is our job to, to notice these things. If you have a kiddo that maybe this is something that happens frequently, then these are stress-causing factors that are going to have an impact on their behavior. So we should definitely consider whether or not those basic needs are being met first and foremost, and we should be looking for signs of dehydration, hunger, or even a lack of sleep. Now, if you 
maybe rule those out as the cause of the stressors, then the next place we should look is at the environment that the child is being placed in. Whether or not these are underlying stressors that could be caused by their environment. So sometimes this is obvious and sometimes we have to do just a little bit more investigating to determine the root cause of the behavior. So the first item to consider is the space that the dancers are in. Do they feel safe in the space? Now, if you're like me, I am actually a mobile dance program and I teach in a school setting. And so honestly, I sometimes don't have a safe environment to dance in. I might be in a classroom with desks and chairs and a lot of clutter and it might be a really tight space. So I might also be dealing with a floor. I might be dancing on a tile floor or concrete. Oh my gosh, sometimes it's really hard being a mobile program and finding that ideal space for us to dance in. It doesn't exist. These spaces are designed for schooling and not for dancing. Now, if you have a nice dance studio that you can teach in every week, that's wonderful. Doesn't automatically mean it's a safe space. So our job as dance teachers is to be sure that we are creating a room that is as safe as possible for our students. So a couple things that we should be doing before and after every class is sweeping the floor, right? Make sure our floor is nice and clean, especially if we're going to be sitting on it and stretching. You don't want a dirty floor, right? Then the next thing is you want to make sure that you're picking up objects. You're making sure there's nothing on the floor that your students may trip over. Also checking the temperature of the room and making sure it's comfortable. You don't want to be dancing in a room that's way too hot or way too cold because they're not going to be comfortable. And then lastly, what kind of floor are you dancing on? If you're like me and you have to dance on a tile, floor, or even concrete, it might be a good idea to invest in a non-slip like poly dot that you can give all of your dancers or even invest in a rug that you can roll up and take with you for every class. Just some things, just some things to, to consider about, about your space if you're mobile. Now, another environmental aspect could be more the class structure and routine. So perhaps a child is feeling stressed in an environment because they don't know how to behave. Maybe the rules and their expectations aren't clear to them. So they don't know what is expected of them. So ensuring that your class has rules and routines is really important. And I could have an entire podcast just on rules and routines alone. But some basic dance class rules that I think a lot of us would have would be number one, no running, right? We don't want anybody running and crashing into each other. No hanging on bars if you have bars. Don't touch the mirror. Keep your hands to yourself. Catch a bubble when your teacher or your friends are talking. Just some basic rules, right? You might have more. Now, I personally like to insert my rules and expectations into my class activities. I make it a game. This way my students don't even realize that they are following rules. I don't think you would ever actually hear me go through a set of rules like that. Like, okay class, here are our class rules. No running, no hanging on the bars. I don't do that. It's not something that I do. I used to. But now I've gotten better. Now I trick my students into thinking that they're playing a game instead of following my class rules. 
I'm pretty sneaky, but you know something? It works. It works for them. So make sure you have your rules and your expectations before every class. Now, additionally, do your students feel safe within the class routine? And I know I've talked about this in other podcast episodes, but as a reminder, in case you're new here, our preschoolers love repetition, right? This is why they can sit down and they can watch a movie like Frozen 2, for example, 500 times and they never get bored with it, right? It's because it makes them feel safe and they like the control. They like to control their environment and they like to know what's going to happen next. So it's really important that we have a class routine that gives them that same comfort and safety. And the class routine is really, it's your class flow. It's it's what you do in your class every single week. So let me tell you what my class flow looks like and it will hopefully help you determine if you have a structured class flow. So every week in my class, we start sitting down in our learner's circle, and this is where we introduce our dance concept that we are learning that week. Then we do a brain dance warm-up, staying in our learner's circle. After that, we stand up and we perform some stationary movements on our spots, and we're still in our circle. After our standing warm-ups, we then transition to across the floor. My transition every week is the same. The kids know what they need to do when it's time to go across the floor. After that, we develop our skills across the floor. We combine all of those skills together in one big obstacle course. Then we finish class either learning a dance routine or playing a free dance game, like a freeze dance or something. And then we always get stickers before we leave. And that's it. That is the same routine every single week. Now, the games that we play and the dance moves that we learn, they might be different every week, but it's the general structure that we want to focus on, not necessarily all the what inside of that structure, but just making sure you have that routine, that structure the same every single week. It's going to help your students feel safe and comfortable, and they're going to know what's going to happen next. So the last item that I want you to think about when discussing the basic needs of your students and determining whether or not their basic needs are being met, I want you to consider their learning type. I have several podcasts on this, um, on the four different learning types. And if you don't know what they are, they are visual, auditory, readers and writers, and kinesthetic. And these four learning types together is called VARC. Now, once your rules and routines are in place, now you have to ensure that each activity within your class structure captivates the learning type of each of your students. And so you can do this just by asking yourself a couple questions about what you include in your classes. So the first question would be, are you providing visual aids for your visual learners? This could be pictures when introducing the concept or providing props in an obstacle course for cueing purposes to let them know what comes next. You could also give them a visual spot in the room to stand on or sit on during stretches and standing warmups. Now auditory learners, how loud or how soft is your music? Are you playing music? 
Are you including different kinds of auditory sounds? Singing, musical instruments, music from your, your iPhone. So are you speaking and talking through the movements so that they can hear what happens next? Next is the readers and the writers. Now, I actually place my readers and writers into two separate groups when I'm thinking about them. So I actually place my readers with my visual learners. And so what I do for them is I make sure that on all of my visual aids that I print out, I make sure I include the words of each concept. So if our concept for the day is space, on each visual I'll type out general space. Now, do I expect my three-year-olds to actually be able to read that? No, of course not, but I put it on there because some kids do like letters and they're fascinated by putting the letters together and learning what those letters are. So I make sure I include those words on my visual aids. Then my second group are my writers, and I assign my writers to more tactile learning experiences. And so this is going to be experiences where they can use their hands and their feet to explore different concepts. And so for these guys, I include a lot of manipulatives during our learner's circle, and these are items that they can grasp and move move them around and explore. And I also include props in every single class. And not only props that they can just hold in their hands, but props that they can walk on and use their feet to explore. And then the last learning type that we have are the kinesthetic learners. And these are learners who move and learn through movement. So questions that I ask myself for these guys is, am I balancing movements with downtime? Am I giving them enough opportunities to move while also trying not to overstimulate these learning types? So now there is at least four or five other podcasts on this topic. So I made sure I went through and I linked those other podcast episodes for you in today's description box. So if you're interested in sort of diving more into those different learning types, please go take a listen to those other episodes when you're done with today's. All right, my friends. So let's recap. Let's recap real real, real quick part one of this two-part series of why are my students behaving this way? So first, we need to make sure they're getting those three basic needs, water, food, and sleep. If those aren't being met, there's no way we're going to be able to teach them dance, right? Next, we want to determine our environment. Is the room clean? Is it safe? Is it free of dangers? Next, do they know how to behave within the space? Do we have rules and routines in place that are consistent each week? And then lastly, are the activities that we are doing captivating all four of those learning types in our weekly classes? So now let's say you're sitting here and you're saying, yes, I do all of those things already. I have a nice clean space. I know my kids are getting their food and their water and their naps and I have all of those things to captivate my four learning types yet I still notice that my kids have negative behavior behaviors from time to time what's that about right is this not the full all resolution for solving all behavior problems I mean no not not quite <laughs> um, that's why this is a two-part series my friends so next week what I'm going to talk about and I'm going to dive in a little bit more is I'm going to talk about the five R's of behavioral investigation and how 
we can really get to the bottom of behaviors that may still arrive in our students from time to from time to time, right? This is not just because you have a really great class structure and safety and all of these things doesn't necessarily mean that that's all you need to have kids who never have behavior issues. There's so much more that goes into it, right? So what I'd love for you guys to do is make sure that you set your calendar for next Wednesday at 9 a.m. for part two. And that'll happen right here on the Dance to Learn podcast. And if you want to discuss this topic more and leave your thoughts, number one, you can always leave me a review. I do read all of the reviews that come through. So thank you so much for that. You can also pop on over to our Facebook group, which is called the Preschool Dance Teachers Forum. I've linked that in the description box today. And I continue the conversation there. And you can get involved too. And I invite you to get involved. I'd love to have you join me on these discussions. And that group, there's about 1,700 members. So we all love to to chat and help each other out and provide our tips and tricks and feedback on, on these topics. So let's continue this discussion over there. But for today, that is all I have. And I hope that you will join me next week for part two. And as always, I hope that you continue to dance, learn, and grow. Have a wonderful week. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Dance to Learn podcast. If you are loving the podcast, please be sure to subscribe. And also, please leave a five-star review and I may feature your review in an upcoming episode. Any review I feature will receive a $10 Amazon gift card. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I hope you continue to dance, learn, and grow. Bye.